0: You're a youth leader, or you're a volunteer youth leader, or the, you're the youth pastor of the largest church in the country. The fact is, if you don't know where you're going, you might take people on a walk, but you won't lead them anyway. So, you've got to figure out what is it that you want to change in this world, and you've got to start formulating a picture of that preferred future to start living towards it.
1: Welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teenagers. I believe that the best way to get our teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, tell your friends about it, get it out on social media, because we want every teen everywhere to hear the gospel from a friend. Uh, Today, I'm super excited about our guest, Yuri Creel. Yuri is currently part of the senior leadership of Shoreline Church in Austin, Texas, and leads next move, which is tasked with gathering Christian leaders to turn around the negative trajectory of Christianity in the next generation. Yuri sees duplication and siloed thinking as the greatest obstruction to the fulfillment of the Great Commission. He'll explain what all that means in just a few minutes. Uh, and he believes that we need to work together to address these issues. And that's what he does is as, as his role in his role as director of collaboration with the Luzon Movement. In Texas, he previously served as pastor for preaching at Hill Country Bible Church and also planted a church in the urban core of Austin. In South Africa, he was a senior pastor with Doxadeo and co founded the Timothy Ministry Training Seminary, which continues to train leaders that are actively involved in ministry around the world. Yuri has preached and facilitated strategic change as a leadership consultant in 36 U.S. states, 48 countries, on every inhabited continent. Yuri and Karen have been joyfully married for 23 years and are blessed with two boys, Joshua and Ethan. I just want to tell you this. uh, Yuri is my friend, and I love this guy because he's passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he is perfect to talk about our subject today, the fifth value of a gospel-advancing ministry, bold vision. So, Yuri, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today.
0: Thanks, Greg. It's uh, uh, I haven't had my full uh, resume read like that for a long time. I feel old right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're not old,
1: but you've done a lot in your short time on this earth. Uh, next move. Mu- next move is only a few years old. So tell That's us a little pretty- bit about next move and the bold vision and it, how it all began.
0: Well, I mean, since we're talking about bold vision, I mean the the next move was kind of. Uh, I think every vision in some way shape or form gets birthed out of frustration you know so i think the frustration for me was really just being tired of everybody talking about the next generation leaving the church and no one doing something about it you know and and realizing that sure this is bigger than us sure this is greater than us but this exactly why that's exactly why we need to do something about it so we formulated a a vision we started a dream we started thinking what could it look like if we took this negative trajectory of people leaving the church and we turned it around to reaching the next generation Um, so God hasn't uh, lost a generation yet and he's not about to start losing one now so uh, clearly it's in his heart for us to do something about it so we started building relationships and making connections around the world and getting the the best and the brightest like you know ministries like to share uh, to duplicate their efforts and, and just, you know, for us to work together on turning it around.
1: Yeah, talk a little bit about that, like du- not duplicating our efforts. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? Redundancy well, in ministry.
0: Uh, it's it's an interesting thing, uh, Greg. It was a, was a couple of years ago when I got to lead this think tank in Silicon Valley, and I'm always worried when somebody uh, asks me to facilitate a think tank because when they call it a think tank, I know I'm not going to be the, you know, I, I'm, I'm typically not the smartest guy in the room, but I know I'm probably be the dumbest guy in the room. And this was truly the case, right? So they had all these executives from Facebook and executives from Google and executives from all these different entities together. Uh, they put them in a room and they, um, they 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 start having conversations about how do we fulfill the Great Commission by the year 2050, right? So so the whole thing is what's standing in our way from finishing the Great Commission. Uh, after two days of meeting, it comes down to one single thing: it's it's not a lack of resource, it's not a lack of connection, it's not you know a lack of the ability to translate into every language. All these things that used to be these issues to fulfilling the Great Commission weren't in place anymore. The only thing lacking was the fact that everybody was doing it, but they were doing it alone and on their own rather than together. So what was lacking was the the synergy and what was killing it. What was hindering it was the duplication and the siloed thinking of different organizations. So in my opinion, it's the greatest hindrance to our generation. Uh, reaching the next generation or fulfilling the Great Commission is just overcoming this thing of silence.
1: Yeah. And and working together to really leverage our strengths. It's been really fun to be a part of Next Move. Yeah. And, you know, when we met, man, I don't even know, but eight months ago, it wasn't all that long. No, it's got to be
0: longer than that. My, my, maybe, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be this fulfilled and happy if I've only known you for eight months <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe a year ago but I remember us talking about it and part of that obviously uh, vision is to mobilize students for the gospel of Christ yeah. and how do we how do we leverage our strengths to work together now the the typical listener of this podcast is a youth leader sure uh, probably a volunteer youth leader mm-hmm. or part-time so they're already doing a lot of stuff. Why is it important? that not just global leaders sure. but youth leaders in a community really get a bold vision for their community, for their city.
0: I think that's a great question. You know the, the the bottom line is you know there's a there's a difference between living life without a vision and living life with a vision. if you if you live life without a vision, Uh, you know, the, the reality is you're going to go where life takes you, but if you live life with a vision, you're going to go where you want to go. You're going to know where you're going, you know? So, so it's, it's, it's the, the reality is if you don't have a vision, you're a victim to influence, but if you have a vision, you're able to steer your direction and the reality is for your general you know whoever and whatever space whether you're a youth leader or you're a volunteer youth leader or the you're the youth pastor of the largest church in the country the fact is if you don't know where you're going you might take people on a walk but you won't lead them anyway so you've got to figure out what is it that you want to change in this world and you've got to start formulating a picture of that preferred future to start living towards it
1: You know, that's a great answer. And I I, I remember it makes me think back to a meeting we had in Kansas City with youth leaders. And there was a guy named uh, Andrew Held who worked with Youth for Christ. And he was talking about a bold vision. And he said, you know, we need to have a vision that's so bold that it requires networking. In other words, there's no way our individual church could do it by ourselves. So, if your vision isn't so bold that it requires net networking, it's not bold enough. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant.
0: You know, That's fantastic. Um, Miles Monroe said this thing years and years ago. He said that, you know, if your vision doesn't scare you, it's not from God. He said it much cooler than me, though. But, but you know, if, 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 and it's, it's that same thing, right? Because God doesn't call us to do things that we can do without it because God will always put us in a position where we need him. Um, God wants us to worship, and we worship best when we're in desperate need of God to do something. And I think that's a great place to be. But you're taking it to another level by saying it's not just desperate for God, but God puts us in a position where we want to connect with other people. He wants us to work together. He wants us to collaborate together. And that's part of the genius of, of God, right? It says Jesus ascended on high. And when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, right? Well, he didn't give gifts to amen. Jesus' awesomeness wasn't deposited in any single one of us. It was deposited in all of us. And that's why when we were two or three together... We get to partake of it. So the fullness of what God has for you is always going to be bigger than you. You're going to need him. And where are you going to find him? In one another, in collaboration, in working together.
1: Yeah, and that's really where we talk about networking is under this valuable vision. Because you look at John 17, which is God, you know, the heart of Christ for what we would call networking, working the net together to get the largest amount of fish as possible. It's right at the center of God's heart. So he's got a vision for the world, but he's got a vision, not just for the ends, but the means, which is the body of Christ working in synergy. And so um, really challenge youth leaders that are watching this to get a big, bold vision across the street, across the tracks, across the world. And that bold vision will not only force you to depend on God, like Yuri said, depend on each other, not just those in your youth group, but other youth groups. Um, But it will also cause you to develop innovative strategies to get there and to learn from each other. It's so, so much fun. So you regularly use the phrase at Next Move that we've kind of hijacked as well, uh, not on our watch. So when you say that, uh what are you talking about
0: well it, it, it it's a moment that originated out of a, a a conversation where I was sitting with leaders from around the world young leaders uh, in social media influencers, business leaders or you know church leaders and and we, we we were kind of reviewing some statistics about the next generation and what's happening in the next generation And what we realized was that if the current trends continue, we're poised for the dark ages, right? So the darkest age in Christianity since the the Middle Ages. And, um, you know, the the rallying cry from the group was just not on our watch. You know, there's there's no way that we'll be known that this millennial, uh, you know, generation will be the generation that was responsible for ushering in the darkest age of Christianity. And so this rallying cry just emerged. And we said, well, when things are dark, it's a sign of one or two things. Either it's going to get darker or the dawn's about to break. And we just said, we're going to trust God for the greatest revival, reformation, awakening, pick your word, uh, ever. And maybe the spiritual hunger that we're seeing is, a, is, is God preparing the ground for exactly that. And, and just to say, Greg, the 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 thing of big vision does exactly that it opens up the way for people to give themselves to something you know and, and, and we we've, we've seen it in this in this context the um you know the 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 a vision has a way of creating a void too too often in youth ministry we we're, we're we we've taken away the the price of christianity we've watered it down to make it cheap but we've lost the prize because we've taken away the price and I, I think we've got to restore the price of Christianity. This is gonna cost you everything. This is your whole life. Because then we'll we'll gain the prize which is worth, you know, infinitely more than anything else. Because if we're just if we're offering people something cheap, if we're making it simple, if we're dumbing it down, I think, you know, young people are looking for something worth themselves. They're looking yeah. for something worth giving their lives to. And a bold vision creates that wake for them to step yeah. into.
1: Yeah, and that's something I you know, I always say is getting on Team Jesus is free. Jesus paid the price, paid the dues. Getting on a starting team costs you everything you got. That's it. And I think we have a generation that wants to be on the starting team. Yeah. They wanna they wanna do something. This is a cause generation. That's it. They're looking for something to live for and die for. And it's gotta be more than just going to youth group and camp. And so talking about that, like from your perspective, you're a well, well traveled man. Uh, You're always on the road, every inhabited continent, right? Uh, You know, that's a lot of travel. Um, What's your perspective of global youth ministry right now? I mean, how is it doing overall? Um, What would you say about that?
0: I don't know, Greg, in this mere six hours that we have on this podcast, if I can cover all of that for you, but, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's a big question, but I'll tell you, I'll, i let me tell you, this is, is God is moving all, all around the world. You, you, are seeing specks of revival, specks of awakening, uh, but at the same time, there are spaces that's really struggling, you know, in, in, in South Korea, the church saw an incredible revival, but because they weren't focused on reaching the next generation, they're losing an entire generation. Uh, I think the U S the statistics, I know, you know, just, that I mean, happening. you talk
1: about that just, just to jump in. I mean, everybody always thinks of South Korea as this place of revival and the Prayer Mountain, and and but that's just that's the parents and grandparents. The it, teenagers exactly. have divorced themselves and
0: they've and, left. They've you know, left the building. yeah. They, 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 they. I mean, I, I'm careful of quoting statistics because they will get in trouble and get it wrong. But they're closing something like ten churches for every one church that's being started in the South Korean Peninsula at the moment, right? Because of that wow. thing, it's just, it's just this. This entire negative trajectory because they're losing a generation. Now, other spaces like Africa, uh, you look at the church and the church is wide. I mean, countries are 80%, 90% Christian, right? So the gospel is 10,000 miles wide, but it's only one inch deep. Uh, corruption yeah. is vo- poverty, you know, all these things are happening. So, so sometimes what's happened is we've, We've saved people because people could say, well, so many dollars will save so many people and we've got this many commitments yeah. to Christ. Everybody's Christian, but the kingdom of God hasn't come, right? Lives haven't been transformed. Um, and we can learn from these different spaces and see good things God's doing. Church that really excites me at the moment is, is, is uh, Brazil in, in South America. There's, there's some great momentum starting to occur there. Mm. Um, Europe, I think, is a great lesson for us. I think for too long... Uh, a generation became Christian and they forgot to be Jesus followers, um, you know, so it was the norm to be Christian. So they lost a generation and now churches are offering, you know, we've seen thousands of young people leave Christianity, going to fight in the jihad, in the Muslim war in the Middle East, in Europe, uh, because they, you know, they were looking for a cause to give their lives to and, and we were yeah. offering them ping pong and pizza. You know, so there was just, yeah. there was just no, no reality to it. Uh, spaces like Ukraine at the moment is seen great revival. You know, I, I mean, there's videos of, of, of bomb sirens going off and young people being baptized because being faced with the reality of, of I might die. People are calculating yeah. what's worth living for again, you know? So yeah. it's, it's fascinating. It's so hard to answer what's happening globally. God's doing great things. We have incredible lessons to learn from one another. That's kind of what's happening globally.
1: It's, you know, I just think to the time when you you came in to the Dare to Share offices, not all that long ago, and we kind of talked about the potential of every teen everywhere yeah. hearing the gospel from a friend, our, our vision statement kind of coinciding with, you know, not on our watch sure. as a very practical, tactical way I mean, what do you think Dare to Share, more, more specifically, gospel advancing philosophy and strategy fits into this puzzle of global youth ministry when it comes to changing the trajectory of Christianity in this next generation? Greg,
0: it's the it's the it's at the very core of it, and and that's why I'm so excited about it. that's why I'm here today, right? That's why this makes it on my on my schedule. You know, Jesus loves me, and Greg, Sarah has a plan for my life. You know, I'll, I'll show up <laughs> wherever you tell me to go because I think this idea of every teen hearing the gospel from a friend this is the core of it. It's it's yeah. not the global youth. It's not the billion people. It's not the if we want every teenager reached, we've got to mobilize every teenager. Yeah. And if we want to build a, you know, people ask me, what's what's the target age? And I say, well, the target age is easy. It's unborn children. That's the target age. And that should be the target age of the gospel. That should be the way we build our churches. There's not for uh, generation now, but for generation next. Who's the next generation? And the way we do that is not by creating converts, but creating disciple makers because they'll raise kids. You know, if, if, if teenagers are hearing the gospel from friends and sharing it with friends, they'll share it with their kids who will share it with their kids who will share it with their kids. So it's, it's more than just reaching this generation. It's reaching the generations to come.
1: You know, and what I love too is, is this applies to global leaders of leaders top of the pyramid leaders, right? But it also applies to a youth leader who's volunteer uh, with 10 students in their youth room, right? Absolutely. Uh, that they can equip. All of us need to really have that philosophy of mobilizing teens to reach teens. And, you know, I've, I've always said that the trajectory of the rejection of the historic Christian faith is skyrocketing. And our traditional additional strategies are, will never close the gap right? Absolutely. So we need to go exponential. And the only way to go exponential is to mobilize teens to reach teens. I know one of the other things when you came into our office that, that you said to me that really struck me personally is the reason why you think this this gospel advancing philosophy can work globally is we don't just talk about it. Uh, we go do it. That's we it. actually mobilize teens, you know, right there at our events, to our curriculum to go out and share the gospel and and how 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 much of a challenge is it for youth ministry globally to not just exegete the great commission but execute it right feels like everywhere we go and maybe this is a western influence we're very information driven not activation driven
0: yeah
1: would that be true globally do you think
0: Absolutely. I I think the world has seen a revolution in the last 20 years where the supply and demand curve with regards to information has been disrupted. And if people ask me what are some of the major causes of, you know, a generation stepping away from the faith, the first cause I'll cite is the, the rate of change globally that has exponentially increased so you know irrelevance is when the rate of change outside of an organization exceeds the rate of change inside of the organization mm-hmm. so the church is struggling to keep up and therefore we end up in irrelevance our strategies are irrelevant to your point um but the the, the second thing is that you know and the second major driver behind this that that's that's causing this generation to step away is this supply and demand curve with regards to information being disrupted. So, 20 years ago, information was valuable. You had what you, was called data companies because people were looking for data. If I needed my car fixed, I went to go look for the the guy that knew how to do it, right? Because the data was scarce, I'd pay somebody for what they knew. Uh, today, nobody gets paid for what they know because Google knows everything, right? YouTube knows everything. So data doesn't have value anymore. In our society, what is value is application. The problem is a lot of the church of 10 and 20 years ago is still built around the data. We have the value. We have the teaching. We have the knowledge. We're going to show you how. We're going to teach you how. And and a generation is growing up that doesn't value information, but they do value application. And that Greg is the power of mobilizing teenagers to get out there and do it. Because when you mobilize them to get out there to do it, you know, that old saying of they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, people don't know how much they know until they are placed in a position where they've got to do it. And, and that's the, that's the beauty of even having a bold vision, right? You've got to keep people out and say, "We're, we're going to do it. We're going to fail quickly. We're going to try quickly. We're going to figure this out. And that's how people are going to grow, and that translates from generation to generation.
1: Well, and I, you know, it's yesterday. I uh, I had a meeting with a uh, president of a of a Bible school, and it was a great meeting. And I I asked him. I said, you know, um, what if you know, what if uh, we did a day of evangelism training, and trained, you know, all the students. Yeah. They had how to share the gospel and took them out to the streets to share Christ. And he came awesome. back and, and shared stories. And he goes, well, you know, we have, we have a group that goes out every Friday night, uh, sharing the gospel. I go, how many? And he goes 20. And I go, how many in your school? And he goes 3000. I go, mm. Mm. and he goes mm. like, okay, maybe we need to think about this. And there is something about it. That just, when Jesus said, teaching them to obey yeah. everything I've commanded yeah. you, when students go out and share the gospel, with friends, with strangers, with anyone, they're dependent on the spirit. All that knowledge becomes activated. Uh, they their faith is built. They see God do the miraculous, and even if they get persecuted, uh, they come back excited. You know, we had uh, Stephen Bahago uh, in the podcast studio, and uh, I asked him about persecution because he's in Nigeria, which yeah. is, I think, the number one persecuted nation in the world. Uh, like something like 5,000 Christians were killed last year and he's, they do go share day the last Saturday of every month, take students out to share the gospel. And I'm like, well, how high is the risk? He goes, the risk is very high, but you have to choose what you're going to fear. You either fear God or you fear the one that can kill, you know, just your body, which is Satan or that person. And we choose to fear God. And I'm like, man,
0: that's That's the kind of faith that
1: we need. And a bold vision brings that about. So as we, talk, as we talk about a bold vision for a youth leader in the grassroots, uh, just doing day-to-day ministry, how would you encourage them to really lean into prayer and evangelism and disciple-making uh, with a bigger, bolder vision in mind uh, and how that can transform the spiritual temperature of their youth ministry?
0: Yeah. I, I, I think the, um, every version has generics and specifics, right? So there, there's a generic where we want to go bigger. We want to reach more. We want to go further. The gospel needs to get out there. Everybody's got to be mobilized. It's generic, but I, I, I think in every vision, there's got to be some specifics that's unique to that space. So you've got to figure yeah. out, you know, uh, some of us on, on the, Podcast might be old enough to remember before the days before we had GPSs on our phones, and even before we had mobile phones. You know what would happen is somebody would give you directions. You know, go down the road when you see the third traffic stop. You know, turn left, and the second stop street turn right, and then you'll see the dog on the left hand side, and its third house to your right. But if you missed one of those instructions, what happened was you were you were lost, right? And then you would find a yep. thing called a payphone, right? Now, I, I know it's, I'm dating myself here, but you'd find the payphone, you'd go to the payphone, you'll call the guy up, you'll hope he's home, right? So that he can answer the phone. He'll pick up the phone and you'll tell him that you're lost and he'll ask you what question? Where are you, right? It's the It's the question. You can't direct anybody anywhere if you don't start with where they are. And I think sometimes people come up with visions that's grand and general, but it's not specific to where people are at. So if I'm mobilizing my youth group, I want to mobilize them with things that they feel, with things that they touch. So don't tell them we want to reach the whole school. Tell them that you want to reach their friends or this class group or this city or this town or this suburb. Personalize it to where people are, because if they can see it, how to get from where they are, to where you want to take them, you can take them on the journey. But if if it doesn't connect to where they are, you can't do it. That's the first thing. Second thing is fail. Fail often and fail quickly. Take a risk. The problem is not with failing. The problem is with stopping to fail. Because success will test us in ways that failure never will and here's the here's the science behind it when we when we fail we try different things we keep experimenting we keep going right when we succeed we copy and paste what we've done the problem is yeah. when we copy and paste what we've done we end up becoming irrelevant we stop trusting god we 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 just go through the motions our faith dies but when we're failing and we're failing quickly don't fail and keep failing don't beat the dead horse but when you fail take that as an opportunity to try again so risk send them out there mobilize them let them share their faith let them mess it up put them in situations where they need god and they need one another i uh, I, I was i was a youth myself <laughs> i was uh, 17 years old when i when i planted my first church and it it, it originated out of out of taking teenagers on missions trips into the shanty towns in South Africa where we would take busloads full of 14, 15 and 16 year olds and we'll go do door to door evangelism in the midst of a of a tumultuous apartheid South Africa post apartheid, you know, racism mess. We would be knocking on doors, sharing the gospel. Did we do everything right? No way. Did the parents have any idea that there was a teenager taking their teenagers on evangelism trips? <laughs> they had no idea. But we learned some stuff, and God did some stuff, but yeah. we've we've got to try. so I think we're we're the devil lulls us into being safe and comfortable, and that's the way that he he uh he just kind of you know he he inoculates us from really living the life that God is in mind for us.
1: that's just brilliant and i I did not know that story about you as a seventeen year old and it explains to me why you immediately we're like gospel advancing. Let's do this. Let's make it you know? happen. So, so we're going to bring in our uh, guest youth leader. Um, I'm going to introduce him. His name is John Cronister. He's a husband, father, gospel advancing youth leader. He began volunteering in youth ministry in 2009, moved to a vocational youth ministry in 2014. Currently serves as a youth pastor at Calvary Baptist in Morrilton, Arkansas. He also works with, with a gospel advancing network in Conway County. Prior to ministry, John worked in retail management, built a team focused on customer service to achieve the goals of the company. The seven values are all important to the ministry work he does, but he feels it's the bold vision that gives him the laser focus on what matters most in ministry. So, John, thank you so much for being a part of it, uh, part of this podcast, and I'll turn it over to you and Yuri to have a conversation about what Yuri just unpacked.
2: All right, first off, thanks for the invite. I really appreciate this. I feel honored by this. Um, you know, bold vision has always been important to my youth ministry. Um, it really, like I said, it really gives me that laser focus on what I need to do. Uh, but I see the bold vision, as you discussed, we kind of have three different levels we need to roll this out to. So first, you know, as you know, youth leaders develop this bold vision, Yuri, how would you suggest us rolling that out to our students to get even more acceptance of that vision?
0: Uh, that, that, that's a great question. I think the the you know Habakkuk chapter two is kind of my my go to here, right? So so firstly, we've got to understand that that vision leaks, right? So so never. Uh, assume because you've said it once you've said it, right? You've got to say it a thousand times. But number two, if you take it back at two, it says write the vision, make the vision plain, write it down so that he who sees it may run with it, right? So there's your points, okay? Number one, make the vision plain. Simplicity, 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 simplicity. Uh, uh, We're in a complex world. Let's not present people with more complexity. Let's present them with simplicity people can only do what they understand. So make it plain, write it down. So communicate, 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 get it out there, say it again and again and again, remember that it leaks. Um, So put it, and then that he who sees it may run with it. Put it in front of people because people have got to see it. And I I, kind of take that seeing a little further to say that you've got to create ownership of the vision in people. So I'm a firm believer that what people co-create they co-own and what they co-own, they can co-collaborate on. So it's got to start with that co-creation. So don't tell them the vision, help them to shape the vision. And then lastly, that they might, might run with it, do it, try it. If it doesn't work, change it and start the process over. Co-create, communicate, simplify, communicate, um, make sure that they own it and then, uh, try it, just give it a go, give it a swallow.
2: All right. And on the second part of that, I see you know, what you're talking about, the siloed ministry. I see that so easy to develop between the church and the youth ministry. Um, how do you recommend for youth leaders to help the church buy into that bold vision?
0: Uh, uh, that is a, that is such a good question because I think that's where it often fails, right? People have grandiose ideas and grand plans. And then, you know, they take it to the senior pastor. He doesn't quite see it or, you know, whatever the case might be, the church board, depending on the context. Um, The, the skill that is, is lacking. We live in a day and age where leadership books is like a dime a dozen, right? I feel like people hand out books like they used to hand out Uh, you know, uh, business cards. These days, whenever you meet somebody near, they hand hand you their latest book. But but the reality is that everybody's writing about leadership. What we should be writing about is followership. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I work with leadership organizations and leaders around the world. But the skill that is lost is followership. We've, 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 unlearned in our society that's all about me, myself and I and my ability and being the best me, we've lost the ability to follow because part of following is learning how to lead up. And I think if we could figure that out, if we could learn what are the skills we need to lead up into the organization, uh, when when the those above you in authority don't support the work that you need to get done, one or two things are true either they don't want you to succeed and I'm yet to meet that senior pastor that doesn't want his youth guide to succeed. So if we believe they want you to succeed, the other one's got to be true. And that is they don't understand what you're trying to do. And if you could, it's your work as a follower to describe and to lead up and to shape their understanding of how you're going to win and your winning is going to make them win. And if they see that, They want you to win. Um, So I think it's that extreme ownership of just saying, you know what, I'm not a victim of, uh, I'm a part of, and I'm gonna own the communication up and getting the buy-in from every level of my organization, those above me, those below me and those around me in the process.
2: And of course, the third part of that whole potential siloed ministry is the networking. Which is important. Um, we got to find like-minded youth leaders to come alongside us to help us out. Um, how would you suggest youth leaders find those like-minded? Instead of just becoming just a network of, hey, we just talk and have fun and lack like the vision.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, I think lots and lots of cups of coffee, John. Um, is uh, the reality is that that uh, leadership takes a relationship takes time Um, but we don't want to just have relationship we want to move beyond just knowing one another to a point of trust and that takes even more time so we've got to build the currency of trust and that takes time together Um, what creates that network what does it together as i always say what you need is you need commonality of relationship you need that trust in one another, but then you need commonality of vision. So you've got to have purpose and destiny in what we're going to do together. So uh, I, th- I think it's a little bit of a dance. You know, it's it's the, uh, in my relationship with my wife. Uh, we have some uh, some some doing together time when we go shopping together or we do chores together or we do something together. Those times are necessary, right? We, we, we do something together. But then we also have being together. We go for a movie together. We do it, but we need being time where we just get to sit back and relax and hang out together in the same way. If you have the one or the other, if you have all doing together or all building relationship, it's never going to last. But when you can marry those two things together, that's when you're able to really network, collaborate, get somewhere, but also have true deep friendships and trust to carry that over it. Never try and drive a 10 ton truck of responsibility over a five ton bridge of relationship. You've got to build that relationship, but at some point you've got to drive a truck over it. You've got to get something done. You've got to figure out if we're better together, how can we be better together?
2: Um, I love it. Thanks for those words of advice. And yeah, I just gonna roll it out.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's great. Those are great. Um, and, and just to remind, you know, everybody listening or watching, I mean, Yuri, uh, church planner, uh, is a pastor. Uh, so he, you know, he understands when a youth leader comes to him with a vision because he was that 17 year old with a vision to plan a church and to take young people on missions trips. Really, uh, man, Yuri, John, thank you so much. Uh, this has been super insightful. And I believe is going to really help youth leaders uh, identify that bold vision uh, and to build that, you know, that, that bridge that can hold 10 tons and take that 10-ton 10, 10 vision over that bridge uh, for the glory of God. And uh, thanks for everybody who's tuned in and watched this. And I just I want to remind you that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel-advancing one. So keep advancing the gospel. Thanks for tuning in.